Everybody, today we have the lovely Enit Morillo. Enit, welcome to Queens of Tech. Can you share a little bit more about who you are and where you're from? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited, Pauline, to be here. Uh, I am originally from Venezuela, but I have been in the U.S. for most of my life. I came here on a scholarship to go to school. And, um, you know, it's, it's been quite an interesting journey. And, uh, but, you know, this is home now and I live here in Rhode Island. Awesome. Great to have you, Ethan. That's a beautiful um, background you have there. So tell us a little bit more about what it was like growing up in Venezuela and why you came to the U.S. How was that journey coming this way? You know, it's uh, it's pretty magical, I have to say, because, you know, I never had an intent to leave the country. And uh, when I was in high school in my uh, the year before last, uh, my, my junior year, um, a friend came and mentioned that she had an application for a scholarship. And she said, you know, I don't have the grades for it. Do you want to take the application? You know, and in those times it wasn't you know electronic. It was an actual literal paper <laughs> application. Yeah. So um, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll try it, you know. And, uh, you know, when is it due? It's due today. And I had to jump through hoops to get that application in on that day. Uh, but it really, you know, it transformed my life and the life of my family because it turned into a full-time scholarship to come to the U.S. And, um, and it got me through school, you know, and, uh, and here I am. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad we met. If it wasn't for that <laughs> scholarship, we wouldn't have gotten to connect. Um, so what do you currently do? I see the beautiful logo behind you there, Cataray Global. What this is, is that? Brand new. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's looking good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So about uh, a year and a half ago, I mm-hmm. decided to start Cadre Global. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, originally I was thinking more of, uh, you know, I'm going to be, I, I'm in the consulting field. And so I was thinking I'll just go independent, but it, <clears throat> it has been uh, fantastic. You know, the, the reception of having Cadre Global and the demand for services. And so it turned into an idea of going independent to an actual consulting company and building a team and building a company and a client base. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So what is it that you do? You said you're in the consulting field. Just tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So um, I specialize or we specialize in supporting early stage virtual companies that are uh, in the uh, pharmaceutical field. Excuse me. They have potentially a drug candidate and they want to take that candidate into the clinic and you know perform cl- clinical trials mm-hmm. and so you know we we focus on the quality assurance and what is known as gxp compliance and guiding uh, and and supporting our clients take you know their drug into the clinic uh, and, and that can take a, a number of um of forms um, but you know primarily it is you know with our expertise in doing this for several you know for for many companies mm-hmm. it's it's kind of guiding the clients because you know oftentimes they are very small team they rely solely on consultants and you know we have the expertise to say this is what you're going to need this is how you want to do it and and to keep it face appropriate which is really the the core of what we are trying to do. It's, uh, you know, understanding that what you need for a phase one clinical study is not the same that what you need for when you are in a commercial setting. Mm. And so guiding them through that process. 
So what does a phase one uh, commercial versus a commercial process look like? I'm, I'm completely not even in the pharmaceutical industry. So I'm sure most people would be wondering, okay. what, what does that look like? Right, yeah, so in, in phase one, generally what you're trying to prove is that your drug is safe. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's generally a, a very small group of um, subjects that are, you know, tested. And, you know, when you are in a commercial environment, that means your drug has been approved by, you know, a regulatory agency like the FDA, and it's available to everyone, right? Okay, yeah. Mark commercial. Mm. And so, you know, in, in terms of the quality um, components for phase one versus, you know, commercial, they're much more stringent when you're in a commercial setting. Mm, understood. That makes more sense. The people you're working with right now, they're early stage um, startups. What is one of the biggest pain points that they face? I would say uh, face appropriateness. Um, mm. And this is why our you know, our core expertise is to work with this type of companies because we know what the regulatory requirements are at yeah. that stage and can keep, uh, and, and, you know, at that stage, you are not certain if you're going to make it. And I, don't, and I don't know, you know, specifically the statistics, but there is a huge number of drugs that go through phase one that never make it to commercial, mm. right? And so we want to make sure that, you know, everything is commensurate with risk and uh, we can guide them through, you know, this is what you need for phase one. You don't need, you know, like something very advanced, that, like what you're going to need for phase three and okay. grow with them as they go through the phases of yeah. the, the product. Yeah. And you just said that there is a, a low, like I wouldn't say success rate, but low success rate for these phase one drugs. What is the one reason why they all just, most of them just don't make it? I think that is a very complex, you know, oh, yeah. question, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, as to why, you know, a drug might not make it. There are, there are many reasons, you know, yeah. for, for why they don't. Gotcha. Now I was going to just tap into a little bit of like, what differentiates you from other people who are offering similar services to this target audience? You know, I, I was thinking about what was my vision for Cadre Global, right? Mm -hmm. And and the key point was the way that I operate with my clients and, and that it was sort of the vision that I wanted for everyone that works with us is yes. that we partner with our clients. You know, sometimes as a consultant, you are looked at as an outsider and mm -hmm. not necessarily having a, a vested interest in the company because, you know, you are here one day and you are not here the next day. But for us, our, our, our strength is looking at our clients as a partner and ensuring that we're invested in their success. And so we take a lot of ownership in the work that we do. And, um, and it's not only, a, you know, okay, I did this and that's it. That's, you know, um, that's the, the end of, of, you know, what they're looking for, but really trying to be more invested and uh, being available to them to whatever you know uh, extent they might need us to. Definitely, yeah. You're not just like a fly by night business, <laughs> you know. Right. We're just like, all right, well, we're here and then we're gone tomorrow. Exactly. Sounds like you're very dedicated, and I think the word you you use the word partnership, correct? And I, I see that word every. You see it everywhere with like all these um, sales businesses. You're like, yeah, we partner with you, and I feel like. A lot of them say that, but they don't show that. Um, and so I feel that 
just based on our conversations, you really do show up in that. It's not just some words that are written on a page. Okay. Um, you actually, that's your philosophy. That's your, what's driving what you do. It really is. And I mean, it, you know, whatever it takes, you know, when yeah. you're in quality, there might be instances in which, you know, there is a process running and, you know, something goes, you know, amiss, there is a deviation mm. and you get a call and it's, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night and, you know, wow, you need yeah. to take action at that time or over the weekend or, you know, so we, you know, th this is part of that um, being invested, you know, in their success. Mm. It's not saying, well, you know, I'll call you tomorrow, but. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, I've got to go to sleep day. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so does that require you to travel a lot? I do a lot of travel uh, mm. and, and I love it, you know, uh, yeah. and that's why, you know, I decided to, you know, add the word global. Uh, to nice. Because, yeah. Um, you know, as an international person myself, I, I love to travel the world. And, yeah. you know, in this day and age, our supply chain and, and businesses are, you know, mm -hmm. connected globally. You know, it, it might be that a client has a contract manufacturer and they're, you know, in Japan or in India or China. And, uh, you know, we, we go wherever they need us to go. Definitely. Um, so how do people find you? What is, how do you get customers? What's that strategy for you consistently attracting the right people to you? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say strategy because as, as of now, I still don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, honest. <laughs> uh, it, no, it's really been, you know, mm. referrals, you know, I mean, wow, yeah. I haven't had the need or we haven't had the need to go out there and look for clients. It's, mm. people, you know, that have worked with us saying, you know, oh, I know somebody or, you know, refer, you know, referring them to us or connecting them and uh, all of our businesses through referrals currently. That's amazing. That means like you have a very specialized expertise and the level of quality that you're bringing and delivering on that is really good for, for you to keep hoping. getting, yeah, for you to keep yeah. getting referrals. That's, that's fantastic. Um, yes. And actually, when I was considering to go, you know, as an independent consultant, that was one of the things that, you know, I was afraid of. I'm like, how am I going to get clients? Mm. And uh, I remember speaking with some colleagues and they say, don't worry about it. You, you know, you put yourself out there. The work is going to come to you. Definitely. And I feel like the industry you're in needs that expertise. And if you're really good, you won't have that. You'll keep having the referrals coming to you. You're probably the first we've spoken to on here. I think because of the specialized expertise you're bringing that really just has a referral, pretty much a referral-based business. And that's, that's great news. And it's raining, so you're going to hear some background noise here. Um, it just shows that there's so many different ways of getting client. I was going to say, that's, that's not to say that, you know, we won't develop a strategy. Mm. And, and again, we're in our infancy, you know, we're right. going on year two, but um, it, it's been a tremendous growth and that growth has been driven by referrals. Yeah. And it's a great place to start. Have you always been entrepreneurial? You know, this Absolutely is... Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell us, tell us what you mean by that. <laughs> what I mean is that I never envisioned uh, being, mm. you know, an entrepreneur and yeah. never had a desire for it. Yeah. And uh, it just, I would say it came more out of necessity. You know, I, I, I had um, a vision of how I wanted to work with my clients and I felt that I wasn't able to do that through um, the various means that I was, you know, working mm -hmm. with clients. And so I decided to, you know, branch out and, and give this a try. And it's been fantastic. Awesome. That's great. And 
that has me kind of have us go back a little bit into your upbringing. So you're saying you were not very entrepreneurial, but what what were you like when you were younger? Hmm. I was very studious mm-hmm. <laughs> and disciplined. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, I, I come from a humble family in Venezuela. My mm-hmm. father was an entrepreneur. Um, you know, interestingly enough, he was actually the first authorized service provider for Sony in Venezuela. Wow. And uh, he only had a sixth grade education. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, maybe, maybe genes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it in you. Um, but I feel like it's a, it's a, it's almost like a skill. You know, everybody's like, you know, I always hear this where they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I was selling things when I was like three years old. And I was like trying to sell everything at you know, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I've never been like that, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I can't be an entrepreneur. You know, exactly. I think it's, it's a skill and it's like you said, that desire, you had a vision for what could be done better. And so you set out to go and do that. And it, it can happen at any point in your life. And this isn't to knock those people who are like, I've been selling things since I was like five years old, but that doesn't really guarantee you being thriving or like, being an entrepreneur, you know, right. it takes a lot more than just than just that. And that's just not to hate on anybody. I'm just saying the truth. <laughs> um, you said your dad was an entrepreneur. What exactly was he doing and how did you get involved in all this STEM industry stuff? He had um, basically a repair for, for Sony mm. devices, you know, TVs and, you know, VCRs and... <clears throat> And uh, I used to spend a lot of time there, you know, and, uh, you know, even as a young girl, he would give me, you know, like a, a board of, you know, electrical components and say, okay, can you, you know, solder this in or, you know, take yeah. it out. And uh, it, it was great. I mean, it was just, you know, a family business in the sense that we were allowed to be there all the time. And, um, you know, I, I, I believe that that played a part in, you know, in what I chose as an educational field, mm-hmm. because I always felt like I want to be an engineer. And, yeah. Uh, and, and set out to, you know, study engineering. So, How did you choose your major? And it seems like that was something that you just knew from this hands-on experience, which you really wanted to do. Yeah. And I mean, I always had an interest in bioengineering mm. uh, and, uh, and biomedical engineering. When I was in high school, actually, I did a project on the first MRI machine that was in my city. Uh, wow. And, uh, you know, that was just, it, it blew my mind. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when I came to the U.S., to WPI, there wasn't a biomedical engineering degree mm. offered at the time. And that should tell you how old we're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, you had to choose at that time between electrical, chemical, or mechanical engineering. Mm. And for me, it was a natural, you know, choice to choose electrical. So. Yeah. I actually, I started out bioengineering too in undergrad. And I don't know what it is about it, but... I think once I hit the biomechanics stuff, I was like, yeah, I think I like the electrical more than the mechanics. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I remember taking those mechanical engineering classes and they were, they were cool. But then it just got to a point where all the electrical classes that I took, I was like, the bioelectrical ones, especially the bioinstrumentation, I was like, this is it. This is right. yeah, where I, I belong. That. Same thing, like you, like you just, you knew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think this is where, where, where it is for me. Um, yeah, and and it's hard sometimes for me to relate to people that don't know what they want to study. Yeah, because I always knew I wanted to be an engineer. <laughs> so. Yes, it's great that you bring that up because um, 
I think in my fifth grade yearbook, I wrote that I wanted to be an engineer. At 10 years old, I was like, I'm going to be an engineer when I grow up. (laughs) And so I also have that difficulty of relating to people who didn't really know what they wanted to do going in. Granted, Mm -hmm. I, I went in engineering undeclared, but I knew like, this is a field I'll be working in for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is, it's a beautiful thing to know early on. Like, this is what I, this is what I want to do and have that passion um, for it. Yeah. And, and I think it's a testament though, right? So both of us have a similar journey in, you know, we knew that we want to be in engineering. We pursued it. And here we are. We're yes. <laughs> And I feel like I do. I like I I tink, I have my little lab set up. I tinker and I still like I'm still I feel I'm still an engineer as much as I'm not working in that engineering company if you will. I still have like things that I'm thinking of and doing within engineering on a personal level that I want to bring on a larger scale. So like some inventions as well just thinking about that so I'm still an engineer I I like I said it's something that I'll always be for life like I can't just and I read up a lot like I read up on engineering um I'm an IEEE member so I get the magazines and I'm always like flipping through and seeing what's what's still going on and what's some interesting stuff to keep keep touch with um another thing I want to do is like have an actual bigger lab at home like an actual engineering setup with all the like oscilloscopes and <laughs> all okay. the gear, but that's going to take some, it's going to take some time to build that out. <laughs> I'm sure we can make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, how you transitioned into entrepreneurship, but you touched on that a little bit earlier when you said there was a way you wanted to engage with clients and help them move from point A to point B and you weren't really seeing that. Um, and is that what initially sparked your interest? Was this the way things were being carried out? Or were you just like, I want a different lifestyle? What was that? No, it was not a lifestyle. It was <clears throat> truly um, the way to serve the clients. Yeah. I mean, I really had a vision, you know, and, and sort of a professional philosophy, uh, mm. if you may, on how I wanted to work with clients. And, um, you know, I formed Cadre Global to allow me to do that. And so what are your day-to-day responsibilities? You're the, you're the CEO of this um, consulting firm that you're growing. What's your day-to-day like? Uh, no two days are alike. Yeah. They are really long and busy wow. uh, yeah. because I have to, you know, keep, um, <clears throat> keep in mind the clients that I'm working with and, and making sure that I'm delivering, you know, the, the quality of work that I, you know, that they have come to expect. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have to do, um, you know, everything related to Cadre Global and, and sort of building a business and setting up infrastructure and supporting the consultants that are working with us. And so it's, it's very busy and, uh, you know, it's, uh, but, but it's very, um, what would be the word? You know, like I, I thrive in that environment, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in it's very dynamic and uh but it's very rewarding that is the word and that's good and I feel like people have the idea that if you work for yourself you know you just I mean you get to make your own schedule if you will but that also depends on how excited and passionate you are about what it is you do so it sounds like you thrive in 
being in that work environment and showing up for it for longer, longer hours. I do. And I, and I often question myself, right? Like, am I working too hard? Am I working mm. way too many hours? But then I look at my, I guess, happiness level. I love what exactly. I do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so important. Like yeah. when you ask yourself how you're feeling or whether this is fulfilling to you, it is not like, oh, I don't feel like doing it. No, not that kind of feeling, but more of, is this enjoyable for me? Am I, am I having Fun. yeah like seriously and that's right. so important life is so short and I feel like work is a is a big part of our lives and it needs to be enjoyable it really does exactly for our sanity yeah, and I mean if you're waking up and you are eager to come to work yeah happy to do that then I think that's that's great yeah it's a great sign I would agree um and again it's not something that's spoken a lot about at least I haven't experienced it or when I was starting out, it wasn't like, and I'm thinking back to like all the career advice we were being given. It was never really, you know, what does your ideal day look like? Or what would you want? um, What lights you up? It was like, Oh, you're, you're an engineering. What kind of job do you want? I'm like, that's not really, (laughs) now that I look back, I'm like, that's not really the question I should have been asking myself, but it is what it is. You kind of have to go through certain life experiences. Um, yeah, and it's always a learning, you know. Yeah, it definitely is. So it's a journey. Um, what are two business challenges that you're currently facing and how are you uh, mitigating those? You know, one of them is time management, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as I mentioned, you know, I have to keep you know, um, you know, keep up with the work, you know, on the client side, but at the same time have the, you know, sort of mental space to focus mm-hmm. on the growth of the company and where do we want to go, you know, and how do we take mm-hmm. it to the next level. And so I, I would say time is definitely a challenge. Um, you know, the other one, and as I mentioned, you know, because our business is built on referrals, is how do I transition the company from from myself being the face of the company mm. to people building the trust to understand that Cadre Global as an organization is going to be able to deliver a certain level of quality. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily the person actually doing the work, right? Exactly. So as yeah. I grow the team and, uh, and, and we build this company, it's, it's sort of how do I make that transition from being the person doing the work? And I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that I want to stop doing the work. I love what I do, as I said. So, but I can only do so much. Exactly. To, you know, to being able to say when somebody refers them to me, say, you know, I can take this project on, but I have, you know, this consultant that mm. I trust and, and I know that they can deliver, you know, at the same level or better. Yeah. And that's a great point of having scalability. Like you can't, scale a business by you being in every element of everything (laughs) so yeah I can understand that being a a, a challenge because clients they come to you and they're like yeah I want you I want you exactly to work on this and you're like well we are a team like this is our team Um, right yeah that must be that must be challenging how do you define yourself as a leader you said you have this team of people that you're working with Um, how would you define your leadership style i would think it's as a facilitator you know mm. um, and, and building connections and um, you know sort of leveraging 
my network and the people that I know or the resources that I'm aware of and, and sort of connecting, you know, whether it's the consultants that we have uh, or the clients that we have yeah. with, with resources and, and, and people. I mean, I, you know, I, I see myself as sort of that bridge, you know. Yeah. And I would say you're a great, definitely a great connector. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel that definitely feel that not just from my own personal experience but I think in the way you run your business um so quick question would you say you're more introverted or extroverted oh I don't know I think people would automatically assume I'm an extrovert yeah but I think so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so do you feel energized when you're around people or do you need to recharge mainly when you're by yourself you know, it's it's a combination. I would say I'm in the middle. You know, okay, I'm not an introvert and I'm not yeah. an extrovert. That's so good. That's actually combination. good. Yeah, I'm definitely an introvert. Like, I love people. I love socializing. But there comes that time when I'm like, I feel like I need to recharge. Like, I need to just <laughs> ooh, go away for a little while and just be by myself and just think a little and de- de-stress. Um, mm. Yeah, because I was like, I always wonder the people who, kind of do the connect connections or have large networks, I feel like they tend to be more on the extroverted side um, because, you know, you just have that. It gives you more energy and you keep going and keep going. Right. Um, and that's something I'm working on is growing my connections and my network as well. And then as an introvert, it doesn't necessarily come naturally to me to go to a networking event. It just doesn't. That feels like, I would say a landmine, but... <laughs> Yeah, and and it's funny you mentioned networking because that was my first introduction into consulting. It was an event that I went to, mm. and I was like a deer, you know, in the <laughs> what is the expression? The deer, the deer with the headlights. Yeah, didn't know what to do, how to speak, you know. And somebody had approached me and said, you know, oh, you are in pharma, and you know, young, and and they were like, have you considered consulting? And I was like. Oh, I'm I'm too young in the field to be a consultant. Mm. And they were like, not necessarily, you know, companies need consultants at all levels, not only, you know, it's true, you know, 30 yeah. experience, you know, advisors. And that was literally the first introduction that I had to consulting. So yeah. Yeah, I started out in consulting as well, actually. Um, mainly in the water wastewater space. And um yeah, it's a different world, a really interesting world. Like you said, it's not very like I did a lot of um, a lot of specifying calculations. And what did you do, kind of, when you started out? What was your experience out like as a new new engineer in the consulting field? So you know, it's it's funny that you say engineering though, because you know I had a very big gap in my mm. career. So from the time I graduated uh, college, uh, you know, I had a master's in electrical engineering, biomedical engineering, um, to the time that I had my first official job. Yeah. We're talking about 10 years. And, um, you know, so when I entered consulting, it was later on and I already had some industry experience. Right. But my my first um, job, you know, in the in, in the industry um, came much later after graduation. Mm. So what electrical component would you be if you were one? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
I would have to say a capacitor. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all right. So tell us why. <laughs> why a capacitor? Because I feel that I have all energy charged mm. inside. Gotcha. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm high octane. <laughs> yes. That's good. Okay. Um, so how can someone, let's say someone with a STEM background, who's thinking of the entrepreneurial path, how should they get started? What would your advice be to that woman who's thinking about it? I mean, I think that, you know, there is no need to reinvent the wheel, right? I mean, there are so many initiatives out there and support and organizations that focus on um, helping startups, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, And connecting and incubators. And so I would say that, you know, the the key part is to put yourself out there, you know, let people know that you have this idea that you want to bring to fruition. And, you know, people are super supportive and and able to, you know, whether they have uh, a means to support you or they know someone that can support you. I mean, it is all about uh, making sure that people know what you are trying to achieve. Definitely. What other two steps can they take to continue on to on that path? Yeah. You know, I think one one thing that is very important is to think outside the box. Mm. Um, and and be, you know, if you are able to keep sort of um, one foot where you are and another foot of where you want to be. Mm. then I mean at least in my opinion that would be a good strategy because having sort of that safety net gives you some of the um, ability to build your business right Um, and, and I mean you know as an example when I was first you know trying to transition from being in the industry as a full-time you know employee into being a consultant Mm. one of my concerns was well what happens when there is no project, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I still need income. And, uh, and, and I wasn't sure, like, how am I going to be a consultant? But if I don't get paid when I'm not working, you know, and how can I pay the bills? <laughs> and I thought, um, so, so I was in conversation with a consulting company at the time. And I approached them and, and I said, I have a proposition for you. Mm. I have a lot of skills. And, you know, I want to pursue consulting, but I need a, you know, a steady paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> How about you bring me on board? And when I'm not consulting, I can do other things, nice. whatever those other things might be. Mm. And at the beginning, they were really surprised that I even approached them with that. They were like, well, we've never done anything like this. And, uh, you know, let us think about it. But it wasn't long before they came back and said, you know, we thought about it. We think that we we have some things that you can do when you're not consulting. Let's make it happen. And that's how I made wow. the transition. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very grateful for, you know, the opportunity that I was given. But, yeah. you know, it was something that, I mean, I wasn't afraid to ask the question, you know. Exactly. I, I thought they might say no, uh, but it worked out. Yeah. And so, you know, being able to think outside the box and say, well, you know, how can I make this happen? And, and reaching out and, and asking. Yeah, and that's a great, great point you just made there of 
not waiting for someone to hand you something on a silver platter for you to finally say, okay, now I'm going to make the decision to change my life. <laughs> like you have to take that initiative and show up for what you, what you really want. Um, and yeah, there's that risk of hearing the no, but at least you asked. And right. for you, in your case, it worked out. But mm-hmm. you can't just be afraid of, oh, will they reject me? Will they say no? Well, you got to show up for what it is that you want anyway. Um, so I thought that and was really gotta, good. Yeah, and you got to give it your all. You know, yes. the next thing. It's, you know, it's, it's going to take a lot of hard work. Yeah. But it's, you know, if you believe in what you're trying to achieve, you know, yeah. and, you know, you got to be ready to put in the time and the effort to make mm-hmm. it happen. Definitely. And it goes back to, is this what you really want or what you think you need to be doing? Um, And I feel like for people who genuinely want this for their life, they show up for that a hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, you know, the other thing is that it's not um, terminal, you know, mm. I mean, you make the move and it doesn't work out. There is always other opportunities out there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great a great addition to that. Of um, going back to failure is feedback. It's not the end. It's just okay. Well, that didn't work, or it didn't work the way I expected it was going to work. So, what what do I do next? Right. Um, yeah. It's not just crumbling in defeat. <laughs> like everything. <laughs> Everything is a learning experience, like we like we mentioned earlier, um, where it's like you just experience it, and if it's a fit, awesome. If it's not, you keep keep going, keep finding what it is that is going to click for you. Um, so so far, we have two steps that you've given us. So don't reinvent the wheel, and then um, think outside the box. So what is one final extra step that they can take um, to get that going? Yeah, I mean, and as I said, you know, I think that other part is is to make sure that you are going to give it 200%. Mm. You know? And so to be prepared to, you know, to do your your part, you know, and, and as you said, you're not waiting for other people to, you know, give you everything on a platter, but to, you know, as you are reaching out out there, you know, there is going to be people trying to support you and elevate you. Yeah. But you have to, you know, make sure that you are putting in the time and the effort that validates that support. And Definitely. So it's, just, yeah. it's just working really hard. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're getting started, because it's an, it's a, you're building a new foundation exactly. and it won't be built overnight, but it will need to be built. And it takes, it takes, it takes time. It really does. So awesome. Well, I feel like you've given us some great, great insights, great advice in, just also hearing your story of um, where you came from and how, despite everything of having grown up in Venezuela at the time, and I'm I'm not sure how familiar people are with the background there. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what it was like, really compared to the U.S. living in Venezuela? Yeah, I mean it was great when you know when I lived in Venezuela, mm. um, you know historically Venezuela is an oil producing country and you know it was very wealthy at one time and even though my family wasn't wealthy you know I had a very comfortable life mm. great childhood and, uh, and 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 a lot of family which you know I I would say that was the biggest sacrifice to come here uh, because I had a scholarship and I came alone 
and wow, uh, yeah. leaving all my family behind. And uh, you know, when I came, I didn't even know English. <laughs> so, mm. and uh, you still showed up. You still, you know, yeah. you learned as much as you could and just seized every opportunity. That that is amazing. And so I hope everybody listening is inspired, <laughs> and also has gotten some actionable actionable advice from what you just gave us here. Um, so thank you, Adit, for being here. Thank you so much for having it, for, for having me. Actually, Pauline, you know, when, you, when you're talking about, you know, not giving up, um, oh, excuse me. Um, one thing that I, you know, I, I think about is not being afraid to do any type of job. You mm. know, I mean, there were times that myself, um, you know, after having a, a master's degree in engineering from a very reputable, you know, yeah. in the U.S., I still, you know, worked as a pizza delivery driver and I worked at a coffee shop as a barista wow. and, uh, you know, you have to do what it takes, mm. you know, and, and sometimes, you know, life will present you with challenges, but you have to be able to, you know, say, well, you know, I didn't make it this far to stay here. Exactly. You know, only make it here. So. Yeah. I love that. And that's why I'm like, it's so great that we had you on here today to just share those words of wisdom and um, wanted to know how people can reach you if they want to, you know, work with you or just ask for, you know, yes. more advice, more wisdom from you. Absolutely. You know, I, I love mentoring people and connecting mm -hmm. with people. So I'm on LinkedIn for okay. you know, anyone to reach, uh, to reach me and, uh, and also our company website, cadreglobal.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about the business, I'm always happy to you know connect with people, whatever I can, and facilitate introductions. So mm -hmm. feel free to reach out.